Hello and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by My Free Tax Challenge. Here's the thing, taxes suck, they're no fun, but we've all gotta file them. In my free tax challenge, I'm gonna walk you through the five steps you need to take to get your tax documents organized for this tax season. Then you'll be ready to send your stuff off to your accountant, or if you wanna self-file, you can follow my step-by-step screen share video tutorials inside the tax challenge itself to file your taxes on your own with ease. Sign up at www.bradendrake.com forward slash tax challenge and invite your friends. It's going to be a party. You're going to love it. Hello and welcome back to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast. As always, it's your host, Brayden. Thank you so much for tuning in. And today I am joined by one of our very favorite guests, a returning guest. We have Amy, the sales tax expert here. Amy, how's it going? It's great. How are you? I am so good. Thank you. So we how many episodes have we re-recorded? Probably like five. Um, I don't know how you broke them up. I know that you and I've had to go two or three different times. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we thank have. you. I wanted to say thanks. I've actually gotten invited on a couple of other um, podcasts from people that heard me on your podcast. So thanks so much for that. I really appreciate it. Oh, amazing. It. That's awesome. Yeah. I so I send everyone. So in our Facebook group, if you all haven't joined, you should go join it. But what we do is when we get new members, we ask them to share a legal or tax question that they have. Okay. And your episode, it's episode number 21, I haven't memorized, <laughs> is probably our most referenced episode because it's the episode where we did the full breakdown on sales tax. So I always say, start with this episode and nice. go from there. And that's cool. that was my vision when I started this podcast. I wanted to have returning guests so that we'd have really good pieces of pillar content to send people to. And then when we invite you back on, we can dig into more specific topics like we're going to do today. So that'll be exciting. Cool. Yeah. And I'll have to go back and give it a listen. Um, it's been long enough. There have probably been some updates and we might want to like re-record. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let me know. Like, let me know if you want. Oh, we can always outline a new one and do a sales tax, sales tax episode update. Um, but we get a lot of good yeah. feedback on that one. So either way. That's great. That's awesome. Okay. So back in, um, back in episode 21, we talked about sales tax specifically. So what we're going to talk about today sure. is use tax, which is a little bit different. Right. And so obviously we're going to discuss the differences between those, but I want to go one step even further back and just explain real quickly what the difference between income tax and sales taxes. Do you want to do that or or should I do that? Well, so generically what I will say (laughs) is that income taxes impact a business's bottom line, Yes. right? That is, that is a tax that, that comes out of the business's pocket based on profits kind of at the end of the month, quarter, year. Um, that's where my understanding of corporate income tax ends. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll let you add to that. Okay, and then perfect. Sales, yeah. Well, the nice uh, thing is pretty much none of our listeners have to worry about corporate income tax. So we just disregard that altogether. They're all sole proprietorships, sure. single member LLCs. So what I always tell people is your income tax, those are the tax brackets you're familiar with. The more money that you make, the more your household brings in the more you're going to pay in taxes. It's the tax on the income you earn. 
sales tax, consumptive taxes are taxes on stuff that you buy. So we all go to Target, like I get sucked into Target all the time. We all get sucked into Target. Like Amy, we do not pay sales tax on our food, right? In California. Not in California, no. But we do end up paying sales tax on like the Studio McGee collection I'm eyeballing all the time and like our <laughs> electronics right. and all that kind of stuff. So we understand sales tax in that concept, but for some reason, because I see this all the time, Amy, on my end, is people conflate income tax and sales tax. And I'll oftentimes get questions of, I'm filing my quarterly tax returns. And so I don't know if they're talking about paying quarterly income taxes or actually filing sure. quarterly sales tax returns. Sure. So we always have to differentiate. So um, yeah. sales tax, I will say very, very generally is subject to sales of physical goods and products. Back in episode 21, Amy explained when that's not the case and what the exceptions are and all that kind of stuff. So we won't dig into that here. Sure. Go listen to episode sure. 21. But with that in mind, what's really different, the difference between a sales tax and a use tax? Sure. So I often refer to them either as like twins or as like the flip side of the same coin. Um, and with use tax, uh, you can look at it similarly to what you were just saying with income tax. You can look at it from the point of view of like a consumer and then you can look at it from the point of view of a business owner and your folks are probably a little of both. And so um, use tax in its origin, um, prior to all this economic nexus stuff that we have now where like pretty much everybody, no matter, no matter who you're buying from, whether it's online or brick and mortar or whatever, these days you expect to pay sales tax 99% of the time, right? Um, but prior to a couple of years ago, that wasn't true. And from a consumer's point of view and then from the state revenue authority point of view. Um, if you bought something online from a retailer that wasn't legally obligated to collect sales tax from you, technically at the end of the year, you would self-report the use tax or the sales tax that should have been collected um, then turns on its head and becomes use tax because you're the user of the thing. And how often um, does that happen? Never. <laughs> So to give, to give like a really concrete example, like let's say nowadays, if I buy something from a maker on Etsy or something like that, like I'm probably going to be charged sales tax, but let's you just- You are, and, and that's a whole different thing that we'll talk about on a different yeah. episode. But yeah. let's just assume that you have a website. Like if you, Amy, have a website sell, set up to sell watercolor paintings and sure. you're not collecting any sales tax, even though you're legally obligated to, does use tax then mean that I as the consumer- like need to be paying that? Is that what we're talking about? Well, I want to make sure we're not, so sort of yes and no. So um, if I, as the vendor, were legally obligated to collect the sales tax, well, then that's on me, Got right? It. And then you as the consumer, and again, it always depends, um, you as the consumer would kind of be off the hook on that. But if I, as the retailer, because I was a small enough business or for whatever reasoning, the rules didn't apply to me and I was not obligated to collect sales tax from you, then you as the consumer should remit that use tax. Okay, interesting. So we have in our next episode we're going to do, we have a few questions on this. So we'll kind of highlight. Okay. But if, so the, cause a very common question, Amy, and I'm sure you get this all the time is I live in California. I'm based in California and 90% of my sales are in California. If I have a few sales in Arizona, then maybe I'm not legally required under Arizona's laws to charge sales tax, but then that buyer might have to pay the use tax since it was not my legal obligation. Correct. Okay. So now we're headed in the right direction of conceptually understanding when, when, I should say I'm conceptually understanding <laughs> when use tax applies. 
Yeah, and that's from the consumer standpoint. So then on the business side, use tax can take on different meanings. So there's still the same thing of if you bought something from a vendor and for whatever reason they weren't required to legally obligated to collect sales tax from you on that sale, then you should report the use tax. Um, But the biggest issue that pops up for use tax um, in a business to business transaction sense is when you purchase from your vendor, you probably intended to then incorporate that thing that you bought and turn it into something else and then sell it to your customer or just pass it through straight like you bought it at wholesale and you're going to resell it right and so instead of paying your vendor sales tax you would issue them a resale certificate and that is basically you asserting to them it's kind of it's a legal affidavit basically that says i'm going to take care of the sales tax when i sell this to the end use consumer so you don't have to charge sales tax to me So you buy those things, they're in your inventory, and you're either going to convert them into something else and sell them or just sell them straight through a resale. But let's say something happens, and for whatever reason, you want to withdraw that stuff from inventory and use it for some other purpose. Um, A free giveaway, marketing item, demonstration, that kind of thing. So you then have now become the consumer of the thing, the user of the thing, and should therefore remit use tax on the cost of that thing you purchased from your wholesale vendor. Okay, so I have some, I wanna get into some specific examples with this, but first of all, I wanna, I like to give some kind of permissions to my audience. Cause I know there are a lot of people who are gonna be like, this is fucking confusing. Like it's a <laughs> okay. lot, like it's a lot. So I always like to tell people if this is something that you for sure are not gonna have to worry about, I kind of give you permission to tune it out. Or I would at least encourage you just, I always want people to have a conceptual understanding of I, as a savvy business owner, want to know what the difference is between use and sales tax. And then if I think it might apply to me, I'll dig a little bit deeper. So is it fair to tell them, like, if you're not really ever buying any products in your business and you're entirely digital or a service-based business, can you just kind of disregard, could they disregard the rest of this conversation? Um, On the digital side, mostly. On the service side, kind of yes and no. And and one of the episodes that we recorded, we got into some specifics and some specific industries where the sales tax can get a little funky, even though you are providing a service, that service comes with tangible goods. Right. Um, And so then you can end up needing some some use tax education on that. Um, But generally speaking, especially in California, which is very service friendly and, and doesn't impose sales tax on most services, Um, then chances are you don't really need to worry about it, except that if you are a service-based business and what you're selling is not subject to sales tax, then any goods you purchase as a business, you are the consumer of and should be subject to sales tax. And if your vendor does not collect, then you should remit the use tax. Gotcha. Okay. Quick, okay, so so quick question on that. I'll give you I'll give you an actual example. So I'm showing you sure. all of you that are listening to this podcast. You can't see, but this in front of me is my physical course textbook for my students. Mm-hmm. I buy these online. Well, never mind. That's a bad example because I probably do pay sales tax on this. Oh, you should look. It's a print. Yeah, it's <laughs> but you're a, reselling it, it anyway. So well, I'm um, not technically yeah. reselling it. I give it. Um, I give it as like a bonus for some of my course students if they do pay. In that case, all. you would be considered in California. You would be considered the consumer of that thing, right? And you should have either paid sales tax to your vendor, or you should remit the use tax. Okay, got it. Pretty sure I pay sales tax, but that's a good example. If I don't, 
I need to be paying these tax. Okay. So, um, and to let you all know, when we were talking about services that might be subject to sales tax, a lot of the examples Amy gave on our previous episodes, we talked a lot about floral designers. So when you're doing yeah. florals for like a wedding or something like that, what portion of your contract do you charge sales tax on? We also talked about photo albums in the context of photography. And the example I want to get in today with you, Amy, because I think this is going to be our best example for the type of people sure. I work with is interior design. Oh, so, I'm actually prepping for another podcast for that. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I was like, I can probably refer you to some interior design podcasts as well. So let's use this example. Like right now, everyone knows it's been following me that I'm getting really excited to like furnish our entire new house. So I'm doing a lot of shopping. And one of my yeah. new favorite stores is CB2. So let's assume that CB2 has a wholesale program. I'm, they probably do. And I'm a sure. designer. So what that means is if I sign up for their wholesale program as a designer, I get a buy product from them sales tax free, correct? Correct. Okay. So then do you know, and, and this is, if there are any interior designers here listening and we butcher the way that you actually do your billing to your clients, it's very complicated. So please don't come after us. I'm just going to kind of like wing it here. So what happens, Amy, is typically they'll buy something wholesale and then they'll mark it up and sell it to their clients, right? Okay, so let's assume I buy a sofa from CB2 for $2,000, no sales tax, and then I resell it to my client for $2,500. Now, is this a sales tax thing? Is it a use tax thing? What happens? Well, you've issued a resale certificate to CB2, right? So that they, because that's their documented proof that you intended to resale the item that you bought from them. That's their protection under audit. Okay, and so they, they, they don't have to file that with the state authority or anything. They stick it in a drawer somewhere. And in the event of an audit, they, you know, hopefully digitize records, but they, they have that resale certificate as proof that they were not required to collect sales tax from you. And do you give that, do you give the resale certificate like with every purchase or is that you just file that when you register for their program? Um, that depends. Uh, most resale certificates, especially in California are called blanket certificates. Um, which basically says like you and I have a relationship and it is understood that everything I'm buying from you is for wholesale purpose that I'm going to resell. And I am taking responsibility as the seller that if I do not resell that item, I will take care of the taxes and that's the use tax. Got it. Okay. So the, the resale certificate, I'm assuming is an entirely different application from your seller's permit, correct? Absolutely. Yes. Although in some states they are one and the same, but in California <laughs> it's separate and it's just a form. You can go to the state's website and download it. You self, you fill it out yourself, you sign it yourself and you give it to your vendor. Um, it's fairly uncomplicated. Okay, cool. So quick distinction for everyone. Your seller's permit is what you have to get if you are, if you have sales subject to sales tax. So it's basically telling the state, Hey, I'm selling shit. It's subject to sales tax. I'm going to be filing sales tax returns with you. We now know what a resale certificate is. So that's awesome. So you must have a seller's permit in order to issue a resale certificate. You can't just willy nilly give a resale certificate to somebody. It has to have a seller's permit number on it. Got it. Okay. So it's like step one, step two. Correct. Perfect. Okay. So I buy the sofa from CB2 for $2,000 intending to resell it to my client. And then I'm like, you know what? This is a really nice sofa. (laughs) It's going to go perfectly in my living room. So I take it home. I put it in my living room. Now this is when I need to be paying sales tax or use tax, correct? Correct. Yes. On the $2,000 cost that you paid to CB2. Yes. 
I'm starting to get the hang of it. This is the fun thing about this podcast, everyone. Sometimes I am like being a little bit facetious and pretending like I don't know what I'm talking about. In this case, I am actually learning alongside (laughs) with you, which I actually think makes the interviews even better because then I can ask you questions in very layman's terms. So how would I go about like, how do I pay the use tax? It's not part of my like income tax return to the IRS, is it? Like, where does it go? Where do I do that? Right. So it actually gets paid on your quarterly sales tax filing. There is a line item on the return that says, uh, what's the value of all the purchases that you've made that you did not pay sales tax on? And then um, you apply the local sales tax rate wherever you are, where you consumed that item. You apply that rate and then you self-report that use tax, in which case it does come out of your pocket. It's not a pass through to somebody else. Got it. That gets remitted with your sales tax return. How about when I go to file my quarterly sales tax, what about the inventory that I'm just holding? Because technically I haven't charged sales tax on that yes, yet, but so I you intend to, right? If you're holding an inventory, there's nothing to do. Okay, cool. All right. So I'm assuming this is a sales tax question, Amy, but let's assume that I don't keep that sofa and I do resell it to my client for $2,500. How does that work? Um, in that case, you have a retail sale at a value of $2,500 and you collect the tax on that $2,500 from your customer. And then you report that on your quarterly sales tax return. Got it. Okay. Um, and this is where people, this is where I would get really confused with interior designers. And I don't, I think this, this does happen, but Amy, I'm not sure if it mistakenly happens or if people do it for a reason. And what I, I'll stop burying the lead. I've seen people who who buy the $2,000 sofa and they're not part of the wholesale program, so they do pay sales tax on it. Okay. And then they resell it to their client for $2,500. My understanding is in that case, they need to charge the client the sales tax on just the $500 difference. So that kind of depends on the state. And this is something that I'm prepping for and I don't, I'm, I might get this not exactly perfect, but one, so some states will just say, yes, charge the sales tax on the markup. And then other states will say, charge the sales tax on the full retail value. And then on your quarterly return or monthly, depending on the state, you get a credit for sales taxes paid. Got it. So you'll still be made whole on the $2,000 sales tax part. It just might be delayed until you do your filing and then you'll just take a deduction basically. Yeah. This is where I can imagine if, if people like, if, especially if we have designers tuning in, they're like, oh my God, that's a lot of information to process. What, and what I always tell people to do is I think the biggest issue people get into is when they're not consistent in the way that they do this kind of stuff and they're buying stuff wholesale from one person and not wholesale from another person. And then they're Mm -hmm. reselling it to people and they don't, they're not logging it. It's really, I feel like you need to come up with the way you want to operate your business first and talk to another, like talk to an interior design educator who can tell you the best way to do that. And then like figure out the sales and use tax rules on what it is that you're already doing. Well, and that, and like use accounting software or hire a bookkeeper who does, right? Because then they can enter that transaction and there's a checkbox like in QuickBooks that says whether or not you paid sales tax on something when you bought it. Yeah. Right. And so there are systems that are designed to help with this kind of thing. And I'm not, you know, I I know that you're all like profit first and I'm not advocating people spend money when they're like (laughs) just coming off the ground. Like I'm I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, but, but there are tools is all like, if you're doing this on an Excel sheet, then yeah, it gets messy. And if you don't keep track of it, then you're going to, you know, lose things. But, but there, there are software packages and whatnot that are designed to help with all this. Love that. Okay. What, what softwares do you recommend for sales tax specifically? 
Well, I mean, that really depends. So I, what I was really talking about there was just more like accounting and bookkeeping. If your business really is growing though, like if you're just operating in one state and you, you know, interior design business or photography or, or whatever, you really can kind of manage that on your own. It's just the one return that you're filing quarterly in California. Um, but if you, you know, really are branching out or you're an Etsy seller and you're selling across the country or, you know, all different things, then you can start looking at some low cost options. Um, like tax jar has uh, a really minimally uh, you know minimal cost product that that helps navigate all of that and then as your business grows there are other packages too like avalara and whatnot um, i try to stay you know kind of platform agnostic i help clients navigate all of them um, and even i mean to some extent though quickbooks uh, the qbo product has actually recently added some great sales tax functionality so to some extent when you're really small or you know fairly geographically limited you can do a lot on your own. Okay, love that. So I have another specific question and this one, it might open up a whole can of worms or it might be like a non-question. So I'll let you okay. tell me. So <laughs> sure. let's assume that you are in New York City and we have the same situation where you're buying wholesale in New York, but your client is in New Jersey, like maybe you and your client live in New Jersey. Does that mm -hmm. complicate use tax? Like is the use tax based on New Jersey now because the homes, the sofa is going in your home in New Jersey or like, are there issues that we need to be aware of with this kind of multi-state use tax situation? Yeah, those kind of small cross-border things definitely do get a little more complicated. Um, oftentimes, especially like in the Northeast where the, you know, it's kind of easy to have breakfast in Vermont and like lunch in Boston or whatever, um, the, those states have some agreements and, and some special rules about kind of how that works. But um, but yeah, the, the use taxes is where the use of the item occurred. But if you drove to New York and picked it up, then that transaction actually happened in New York. Got but it. if, but if that New York vendor shipped it to you in New Jersey, but then it depends on how they shipped it to you. It gets complicated. Yes. That was a can. Yeah. And, and Amy, like. <laughs> Amy, you you might not like this feedback because I know that you are like really like compliant. Compliance is your full time job. I tend to yeah. tell people like if we're talking about like one sofa, just like do your best. It's probably fine. Like you're an, you're probably not going to get audited. But if this is like a big chunk of your business, let's take the time and really learn the rules. Isn't oh yeah, fair? absolutely. And and honestly, like I always tell my clients, like I never advocate anybody. You know, tax avoidance is legal. Tax evasion is not right. Like yes. I I really advocate do your best. Um. And then seriously, when something little like this pops up, I mean, it's, it's totally manageable and the states just there, I don't know, people get twitchy when they get a letter from like a state tax authority, but, but if you, if you play nice, it, it usually works out. Okay. Yeah. And I'm imagining like income tax, if we're talking about a, a sofa, like going from New York to New Jersey and you file it in the wrong state, like I would assume that your worst case scenario is the use tax due on that product, which is probably like seven, eight, nine, 10%. So we're talking right. about, you know, what, like $20 plus penalties. Right. So it's more of usually you want to be really compliant because like the paperwork you have to deal with and like the waiting time that you have to deal with on the phone when you call these states is more of a hassle than your actual penalty. Unless we're talking yeah. about, you know, you're buying like $30,000 in goods over the year and you're not doing anything. This is a different. Yeah. Story. And the only, the only trick you run into is if, you know, if you did pay the tax to the wrong jurisdiction, um, it's not like the states are going to give each other money. So you got to pay it to the correct jurisdiction and file a refund claim in the one that you shouldn't have given the money to in the first place. Yes. Okay. So I have, I think one more question for you, but you know how this works. Sure. 
one question can spur five questions. So we'll see how Always. it goes. Sure. Before we hit record, you said something that I thought was really interesting. And instead of asking you a question about it then, I wrote it down and I figured I would ask it now. <laughs> Oh, okay. Due to the nexus rules, use tax is becoming less and less of an issue. So what did you, like, what does that mean exactly? Sure. So um, prior to June of 2018, the last time there had been any significant change in the sales and use tax rules in this country was in 1992, which is why prior to June of 2018, um, when you bought something from an online retailer, uh, unless it was like Amazon or something like that, chances are you didn't pay sales tax. In which case we go back to that whole thing of like consumers in theory should have remitted the use tax on their own. And that also causes that issue with business to business type stuff too. Um, businesses that were making purchases from out of state vendors really had to keep track of whether or not they were being charged sales tax um, and then whether or not they were obligated to remit that use tax. But in June of 2018, the Supreme Court ruled on a case that was uh, South Dakota versus the Wayfair Company, that furniture online retailer that we all love so much. And um, it really changed the landscape of everything and created instead of a physical presence threshold for a, um, a business's obligation to collect sales tax, it turned it into an economic nexus issue. And so many companies suddenly overnight <laughs> in the last couple of years became obligated to collect sales tax on the vast majority of their transactions. Um, and that alleviated the burden on the consumer for the use tax. Um, but primarily it was because consumers weren't remitting the use tax and states had lost out on billions of dollars in revenue. Right. So like in short, basically the last major change in the tax law for sales and use tax was pre-internet 1992 like the Correct. internet was a thing but i don't think like most of us did not have internets in our houses and that decision was based on catalog sales by the way if you want to like <laughs> that's awesome it's the so... company that owns staples it's called quill and it was the last time the supreme court uh weighed in on sales tax prior to june of 2018 that's awesome yeah i don't i was i remember looking through catalogs but i was a little young to ever really shop from catalogs i think my mom sure. always had the jc penny catalog though i do remember oh yeah <laughs> so some yeah, 20, 20, what, 26 years later? Is my math good on that? We it was get about 27 it, years, yeah, 27 between. Years. Yeah. So we get this sweeping law and basically they're just like, now a lot of the shit that you buy on the internet is going to be subject to sales tax. So as the consumer, you don't have to, you probably weren't worried about use tax anyway, you shouldn't know about it. <laughs> but right, now you're exactly. definitely not as worried about it. So that makes a lot Correct. of sense. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, before we, so... But spoiler alert, everyone, Amy and I are basically going to hit stop on this podcast and immediately start another one that will come out next week. So stay tuned. But before we do that, Amy, is there anything else, like any just very general information we need to give to wrap up the conversation on use tax? Um, I mean, not really. I think you, I think you really covered it. And um, it, it really just comes down to, as you, you know, you advise your, your clients all the time. It's just keeping your ducks in a row. Right. I mean, right. You, you just got to you got to keep track of this kind of stuff. And um, and, you're, you know, if you're buying from a vendor, issue a resale certificate and then collect the tax. But if you don't, then the use tax is is on you. Um, and it it's a little bit of a gambling thing, I guess. Right. If you if you don't self-report the use tax, but then the auditor comes calling, then you pay penalties and interest. So you yeah, might as well just do it right, right up front. Report your taxes, people. We got to report yeah. our taxes. Just so do it up front. 
last question. I know I said last question like five times, but this is actually okay. the last question. Sure, no worries. Um, I always leave every episode. I tell people to make sure they come join my Facebook group because we do free Q&As every single Friday. We collect questions all, all week. The group is called Braden's Besties. If people want to become Amy's besties, what's the best place for them to do that? Um, I do have a Facebook group. It's not super active, but you can find me uh, with Sales Tax Yogis. Um, and if you do post into there, I will answer your questions. Um, probably on Instagram, mostly. I am Amy Monroe is where you can find me. Um, and then if anybody comes to you and asks a question, you know how to find me. Nice. So, awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Amy. Thanks for coming on of and course. answering all Always. of our use tax questions. <laughs> sure thing. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.